welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I'll be your host for December. Jingle, 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 jingle. Now, sometimes in a man's life he decides to change things. And um, sometimes things are changed for the good. Sometimes things are changed for confusing reasons. Sometimes things are changed because somebody feels they must expand. They must branch out away from what they were known for before and do other things. So sometimes what you do is you take the games part of the name of your company and you change it to entertainment instead. And joining me today, joining me today is a gentleman who just did that. He's a gentleman by the name of Andrew Burkett. He's a gentleman who's been on before, so he's a repeat offender. I'm of course talking about Aetherius Entertainment, which is the art, artist formerly known as Aetherius Games. Hello, hello, Andrew. Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm on the. Um, I just really don't think I should drink, kind of um, any kind of fruit juice that is blue, because it obviously does strange things to me. Um, it's good to have you back on the show because it has it's, been. It's good to be it's, back. It's been a while. It's been far too long. A little while, yeah. Because um, last time we spoke, um, you were talking about um, supernatural socks. I think it was that long ago. Because um, so, that yeah. Kickstarter kind of came along. It went. It funded. It's um, it's in production, isn't it? How close yeah, is it to being it's, on? It's shipping wow. uh, now. So so I think like December twenty sixth or something. Right after Christmas, it should yeah. be in. Florida, where the fulfillment company is, and so it, cool. it will be, get to backers soonish. That's kind of cool. But um, you made such a change. I mean, like a few changes. I mean, when you sent me, <laughs> Andrew was so kind because he sent me an email and said, "Would you like? He would like to come back on the show." And I was like, "Yeah, of course." And then he sent me like a big list of almost like I've been doing more achievements than you have. It was almost like a bragging kind of email. I was just like, ah, I don't want you on the show if you're just going to come on and brag about all these achievements. Because it's quite an achievement list. I it's don't like, think so. <laughs> I think it's a fair bit, it's a fair kind of achievement list. You know? Well, thank you. Let's, let's just go down. I'm going to go down this list because you said to me, um, we better, there's a potentially might forget. And I, I mean, it's a substantial list, so I'd probably forget. I'd be like going to Walmart for my groceries and then I'd be walking out and going, Forgot the toothpaste, so it'd be that kind of thing. Um, but you've been podcasting yourself now. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough that Jack Eddy from the Cardboard Herald wanted yeah. to have some other voices on the show, and so he was like, hey, do you want to come in and guest host a few episodes? So I've been doing that for a little while now, and he, he likes the kind of interviews I do, and it's slightly different stylistically than what he does, but... Mm -hmm kind of has the same vein of interviewing creative people and kind of getting to know their stories and is less focused on the individual games or companies and more on, on people, which is kind of similar to, to what your show goes for. And so that's we fit that same vein, but uh, I kind of interview and ask different questions than Jack would, and so he likes having those kind of different voices. And so I've done that, and then I started up a podcast myself that hasn't, produced any content yet like we, we've made episodes mm -hmm. but we haven't actually posted those anywhere so no one will have known of it yet but it's called games to glory and it the idea is that it's a podcast for people in the industry who want to learn more about the business end of things from a bunch of different perspectives so my co-host cody thompson owns gold nugget games and his company is just now trying to get into kickstarter but they haven't kickstarted anything yet and then obviously mm -hmm. we've done a few Kickstarters at this point, but we're not a big company by any means. And so we wanted to showcase kind of the small to mid-sized companies' ideas of the industry and ways to improve and that sort of thing. And so the idea is we'll bring on some guest host and whatnot that will be more mid-sized and bigger companies that can show that angle while we're mm -hmm. still smaller and able to show the small company's angle in the industry. You're also reviewing as well. Yep, so uh, Just Got Played is in Orlando, and they wanted some guest reviewers, and it 
turned out that they're awesome and I really wanted to hang out with them all the time. So I was like, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> Does that mean that you've got like, are you getting sent kind of prototypes? And so, I mean, what kind of stuff are you doing for them? Is it kind of prototype stuff? Is it actual games that have been released? What kind of stuff are you doing with them? So they they do both. but So essentially I'm... I'm a reviewer, but they do a format where it's not just one reviewer video. We do a bunch of different reviewers, and we do one thing we like and one thing we dislike about each game normally. So mm -hmm. um, with that formatting, when I'm a, a guest reviewer, it's not like, I, you know, it's just me reviewing the game or anything. It's a collective group of people. And so whatever they get submitted is what I'll play. So normally the games don't come directly to me. There's been a few cases where people just want me to review things and they'll send it to me and then I just kind of pass it off to just got played and do it as the collective thing. But normally, mm -hmm. if, if someone's doing a Kickstarter, they'll want to work with just got played because they don't charge any money and a lot of the reviewers now are. So that's one of their selling points. And then they, like I said, we, we don't go really hard on anything. So people know that if a game gets sent, it's not going to just be like, this game's horrible, because the formatting, we have to say one thing we like and one thing we dislike, so it, it's going to be pretty even, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think people, I think people appreciate that. I think um, there's, it can be very easy just to be extremely kind. And yeah. not, I guess it's because if you get sent something by, like, say, Hasbro, then there's still, while Hasbro is like a brand, there's it still kind of can be pretty faceless. Whereas, yeah. you know, for instance, if I, you know, if I get, say, um, if I get, say, like, when I get Supernatural Socks through, um, because I, I had to back it, Andrew, I, nothing could stop me. I appreciate that. Um, but when that comes through, and if I write a review, if I feel like, if I say, oh, well, I don't like it's overly cartoony for me and it, you know I don't like this mechanic and it's a bit rubbish I'd feel it was like I was going around your house and just giving you an almighty slap kind of like around the face kind of thing so I think it's sometimes sometimes when people are doing reviews usually the the kind of the, the criticism the critiquing is very gentle and it's yeah. more about kind of lumbering it's kind of like lumbering the kind of the praise onto people as opposed to maybe getting down and saying actually this doesn't kind of work at all for me in any kind of way, kind of way, yeah. shape, or form. But yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can see that. So that's kind of important to make sure that you are saying every. Because do you do that? Does it make sure? Is it is that the kind of the modus operandi then? Is that people you have to say something you like and you have to also say something that you dislike about it as well? Yeah. So I, I think the idea is twofold. One, like you said, there there's a lot of reviewers that just only go positive and we didn't want to do that and you know just showcase the positive things because there are some negative things no matter how good the game is and those yeah, should yeah. be highlighted but it's also like the other the adverse to that you don't want to just say all right this game's garbage even if there's a game that's not particularly great for your group or that we don't like as our viewers that doesn't mean that the game's completely horrible and no one will like it there's plenty of games from hasbro that i personally wouldn't play that plenty mm -hmm. of people buy yeah, so absolutely. Th they've sold millions of copies of Monopoly. That doesn't mean it's a bad game just because I think it's horrible. Yeah, and exactly. so, so it's one of those things where you we have to evaluate the game in the context of the idea that oh, it might not be the best game for us, and we want to sh share that and say, all right, so we didn't like this, that, or the other thing about it. But also, here's the things that if you like this sort of game, you might like this because this is a positive. Yeah, yeah. No, this is really, which is really, really important. You've been doing some writing as well. I mean, I'm not just going to go through... I am going to go through the list, and then at the end I'm just going to say, right, thanks for coming on, Andrew. Yeah. But you've been doing writing as well um, for Casual Game Insider. I guess the first real question that I've got for you is what kind of prompted the change from you to concentrating so much on running a Theris to saying changing the name and then going down the line of providing a kind of a more kind of, I guess holistic type levels of service because you're doing the Kickstarter consulting as well as the writing as well as the reviewing as well as the podcasting so I mean a lot of the creatory type people I speak to are usually concentrating on the games so what was what kind of made that switch go off in your head to say actually 
I need to do, I'm going to do other things as well. So there, there's a few different reasons. So one, changing the name to Atheris Entertainment was something I've kind of wanted to do for a while. When I made it at Theris Games, it was, um, I, I think I've talked on the show about this before, the idea was to name it after the first card in our first game, which we haven't ever published, but it's eventually going to be published. And so I named it Theris Games just because we made games at the time, and it was easy. And then I always knew that I wanted to write books and do a lot of other things and create a field that would potentially go into different companies. But the more I've worked in the industry and realized kind of the segmentation and what people in the industry are looking for, a lot of gamers also like to read and do a lot of the other things that I like to do. And so putting those within the same company made sense to me. So I made two sub-brands. So Atheris Games is still the publisher of our board games. But we have Atheris Publishing, which does more novel writing stuff. And so I've been writing books, and I'm trying to publish those through Kickstarter. And I wanted a parent company so that there wasn't just two different Kickstarter accounts for these things. I wanted them all under the same umbrella. And okay. so I made Atheris Entertainment to be that umbrella. Okay, okay. Hey, do you think that's kind of, um, is that kind of opening your eyes to the different opportunities that are available as well? Because you've kind of said, right, we're going to, entertainment could be anything at all. I mean, it could be you know, you getting up on stage with a guitar and saying, well, here's, you know, here's a little song I wrote about drafting yeah. um, kind of thing. But it does kind of open the floodgates to whatever you want to, I guess, kind of want to do. And if you see something that works and is lucrative, I guess you're not having to then turn around and say, well, we I know we were a games company, but now we're actually, you know, we're everything instead. Yes, exactly. That that That's a big reason for it is that I wanted it to be something where once I made the change that's the change and it's always going to be an entertainment company I don't think there's ever going to be anything that is outside of the entertainment field and if it is then that would be far too different to be in the same company umbrella for sure mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. so I, I figured that within that kind of naming and space that there's a lot of things I could do and so the Kickstarter consulting is something that I've obviously seen a lot of people that have failed on Kickstarter or done things wrong and I, I was one of them and so I know that there's a big need for people to figure out and learn about Kickstarter and even though there's a lot of free resources for that there's yeah. some people that just need more one-on-one -on -one attention and so I, I figured I would start working on that and it's something to supplement my income at the day job while also you know helping other creators so I thought that would be cool. Yeah I mean it's becoming um, a real set of services I think um, there is um I think there's advice out there, you're correct, there's totally, there is advice, there's there's blogs, you know, there's, um, you know, there's there's blogs and, and there's, you know, there's kind of like support through Facebook groups, but I think for some people there's a real need for somebody to sit down and say, um, I need help in particular to this and me reading all the blogs in the world isn't going to help me, I need somebody to come in and say, you should make this a three instead of a four. You should make this this color and this color. You should have five rounds instead of ten. Or you, should, you know, or the the difficult thing, which is, this isn't a game which anyone potentially is going to. There's not enough appeal in it for there to be potentially enough backers. Because I think that is, you know, that can be a thing as um, as the board game industry grows, there are going to be a lot of ideas that come out which potentially might not work. Yeah. Or, you know, not because, just because they just, they just don't work. I mean, it does, I mean, it does happen. You know, it's like the Battleship film. Um, on paper, it was a terrible idea. Um, in practice, it was actually a terrible, <laughs> it was equally a terrible kind of, yeah. kind of idea. Still bad. And potentially should have never been made, but, you know, that didn't stop them going ahead and making it. But sometimes, maybe they needed somebody like you turning up and saying, um, I like what you did with Rihanna. Um, I don't like what you did with shiny-headed aliens. Um, can we can we stop this now, please? Before everybody hates it. Thank you, thank you, Ken, kind of very much. Do you, I mean? Do you find that? Do you, I mean, is it difficult to get into a kind of a charging kind of persuasion when people are generally used to getting advice for free? To an extent. 
but I, I think a lot of people do see the value in getting more one-on-one -on -one attention and being able to do a Skype call with someone who's done it before and mm. has the experience. So, so a lot of the work I do is less on, you know, just me messaging them on Facebook or something like that. But it, if, if they have a question, we can do Skype, semi-regular Skype calls and talk things through, and I can help them with getting quotes from manufacturers. And since it's not just like... I, I don't just know Kickstarter, I know the board game industry, so if they're going to start a board game project, I know what manufacturers they should look at. I, even if you know they might choose a different one, I know the, the benefits and disadvantages of working with each and why certain people use certain ones instead of the ones that I use. And So I can kind of go through those things with them, and, and it's up to them to finally make the determination, like, okay, maybe I'll go with panda because they're more expensive but their quality is always good and their communication is good or maybe instead of using panda i'll use long pack because their their price is a little cheaper and sometimes their quality is on par or better than panda and you know sometimes yeah. it's it's just slightly worse but it's close enough um yeah. so so maybe that's the determination they make and so they have to kind of go through those things but without any real guidance they can look at some blogs and get a basic idea of it but it's really hard to curate all that information when you're not in the industry the people in the industry we know that all that information is there and it's a little easier but when you're new and you have no idea what you're doing it's really hard to find all of that and so i think that part of it is just yeah. curating that information for them i think there's also an assumption which people kind of go have you not have you not read uh, jamie stegmeyer's blog and it's like who's who's jamie stegmeyer yeah, exactly. Because I mean, I'm not being funny, but there are there will be people out there that's getting into this hobby, and I know that Jamie's obviously well known, and you know it's like well, he's done some of the you know some extremely successful Kickstarters himself, but he hasn't actually been active on Kickstarter for some time himself. So unless you know, unless you were kind of, I can see kind of people not being able to find the information, and I also can see some people kind of assuming that people should already know that this information exists like is it James Matthew as well he obviously he's another guy that writes a lot of kind of blogs and information and I can see other people going well I've I've no I've not I've not read this stuff or I've not looked to this stuff because um it's been assumed that I should know that these things kind of exist kind of like in the first time and again yeah. I think it, it comes down to kind of like tailing that information for that particular person because as I say, even reading a blog, I still might have the same opinion of my game because I'm too close to the coalface. Yeah, you know? and th there, there's some things that you have to do one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe they, from reading the blog, they're not going to know what someone else thinks of their game. They're not going to do blind playtesting and some of the other things mm -hmm. that I'm able to help with. But the, even the things that they could find online, it's just a, a matter of if they find that blog and read it, how, how they actually disseminate that information from reading that one blog when there's so much information out there there's really a, a ton of content and nailing that down and which ones are important and which advice to listen to because there's a lot of it on all ends is is difficult and i think that people don't realize how much work and time and everything that goes into a kickstarter and so literally like my intro skype call i pretty much just see if i can talk them out of doing a kickstarter i'm like all right, well, why do you want to start a company? You know this is probably going to be one of the worst things you ever do in your life. Uh, but not exactly, but but kind of that idea is I, I, I go blank like, with you, it. Like the guy in full metal jacket coming yeah. in and say, what's your name, kind of thing. Yeah, how tall are you? Kind of thing, about <laughs> five, five foot six. It, I didn't realise they stacked game developers that high, kind of thing. Is that where you're just going to rip them down? You're slowly kind of picking them. You know, I, is it a, Do you do a training montage? That would that would be good. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? You do a training I'm gonna, video. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start that, and I'm gonna start and just all of the the first Skype call is gonna just be a, a video from Full Metal Jacket. And it has just to show yeah, them that. Yeah, it has to be. You ha or it has either that or it has to be just a video of you doing various different things, like you know, rolling a dice or moving a meeple or you know recording something oh, i mean anything along those lines just to you know and just show you being bad at the beginning and just say look at this loser he can he he isn't designing anything 
Look at him. Look at this dirt on the ground. He's not bringing anything to Kickstarter. He's you. Look at this man. He's a winner. He's focused. <laughs> he's rolling these dice and he's getting 20s and 60s and 100s, even on a 12-sided dice. Do you want to be like him? You need to sign up for the Athurus Entertainment. Put some Cobra Bite into your Kickstarter project. There's your video, Andrew. I, yeah, film. I know. I, I'm gonna get it made right now. It's it's done. <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get it made right now, just while I'm questioning why I even came on this podcast. <laughs> For any reason whatsoever. Oh my word. There you go. Um but with you being in this situation, I mean have you noticed kinda of like changes in even the approaches to Kickstarter kind of um even in the last couple of years, with you kind of helping people with Kickstarter, have you seen kind of like a change yourself? There, there's, there's been a lot. So there's a lot of things like people will ask me questions and it's, it's pretty typical to ask the question like, were you ready when you started your first Kickstarter? And my immediate response is no, I shouldn't have done it then. <laughs> and of course, when, when they see the campaigns funded, they and that I, you know, I've never actually failed at a Kickstarter, and I tell them, no, I did everything wrong, and I just got really, really lucky back then, and Kickstarter is different than if I did the same thing now, that project would not fund, and people have a difficult time understanding that, and understanding that what worked a few years ago won't work now, and so yeah. I, I really think that there was a lot of things that I did that maybe you could do, if it weren't your first Kickstarter. So, like, I didn't have any reviews for the first Kickstarter. And that now would not work. They would just would not fund. Did 100%. You get just left yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, and even so... Even if you, if you do the checking your project, when you go to submit your project to Kickstarter, it would come back and just... You wouldn't even get a, no, you're not doing it. It would just be a smiley, laughing man gif. Yeah. Just to say, what yeah. do you think you're doing? Kickstarter yeah. would be like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> exactly. Uh, w. It's like, oh, it's a W? T. A. F? What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> and just like, you're not allowed to submit a project. I don't think you should. What are you doing? You know, don't yeah, submit Yeah, Kickstarter would s start sending me the, the training video. I'd be like, <laughs> exactly. what, what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Here's a link to this training video via Ferris Entertainment. Do, do, do. And then you just lose the video from there. It'd be so amazing, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I, no, I totally see. I totally. I mean, even in my time, kind of being involved in Kickstarter over the last two years, there was still a chance for um, people that had, you know, that it's really funny. People that kind of didn't had reviews but had really, really well presented campaigns could kind of get funded. I've seen a few. I mean, if, even the ones I kind of backed myself, there wasn't any kind of reviews on them. Interestingly enough, I've also seen campaigns nowadays that have had multiple amounts of reviews kind of really struggling as well because yep. um, I don't... I don't know. Is it like... Um, I was who's When I was talking to Michael from Unfiltered Gamer, it was a case of, you know, he provides kind of like these previews, but it's like... Is anybody ever going to put a preview up that just says, "Hey, this is a bit rubbish"? <laughs> kind of thing. This I game's like... horrible. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, Do you know what so, I mean? so normally, normally not, and and there there are some, and there there are some reviewers that will just straight up say, like, if I don't like your game, I'm just never going to review it. And so, uh, some of these creators will will get reviews and then take them down for whatever reason if they they don't. So, I I won't go into specific names or anything, but. A publisher told Just Got Played that they had to take one of their reviews down, or they wanted them to, um, just because they they didn't like how negative it was seeming. And that's with our formatting of going one positive and one negative. And so they, they still thought that that was too negative on their brand. And so you figure a lot of reviewers probably are afraid of doing negative reviews because they think that's going to happen. And especially if they're getting paid to do it, they probably feel some incentive to not go complete negative so maybe it, they won't let it hinder their opinion and they'll still dislike certain parts of the game and mention those but they probably won't go on and just be like yeah this game is complete rubbish i don't want it at all so so yeah there there there, there is that and then i think there's also that there's so much competition on kickstarter and it's 
just ridiculous how many people are doing it. And so in order to get a game funded on Kickstarter, it has to really stand out. And so you present some ORC game with not just subpar or mediocre artwork, no one's going to care. There's just 8 million other games that they could back that look even just slightly better. And so getting the campaign page and everything to be perfect is a must now. Good's not good enough, as the saying goes. And so now campaigns have to be great. If there's one thing to get someone to not back it, they will. It's now to the point where there's so many games and so many things that they could buy that backers will just look for things that are like, eh, I was borderline, I was on the fence, but okay, this thing makes it not good, so I'll just back something else, or I won't yeah, no. spend as much money this month. I mean, I think um, it's the the funding thing is um, kind of self-perpetuating as well, strangely enough, is that you'll get, say, um, you'll get, I mean, you'll get games that, you'll still get games that are going to fund into the millions. It's, I mean, I'm just like, well, why is, why is this? But then I see, like, say, Tainted Grail, and Tainted Grail just seems to be one of these things that's just like, it's at two and a half million out of a 40,000, um, two and a half million pounds, rather, out of a 40,000 kind of pound target. And it's got like, they released a, an update saying, oh, we've got 25,000 backers. They've now got 27,500 backers. And I'm seeing that and I'm going, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money to be kind of getting ploughed into a Kickstarter campaign. But then it's Awakened Realms. And, you know, Awakened Realms have got kind of like a track record behind them already. I mean, they did, you know, The Edge, they did Downfall, they did Nemesis, they did Lords of Helias, you know. So it's kind of like they're, you know, they've got this kind of... So that it's almost like the back... It's like the backer's money is there. It's just a question of are you going to be the people that, you know, they potentially are going to to jump onto and take kind of hold of and show some kind of love as well. Because I'm yeah. seeing, I mean, it's like the Catacombs 3rd edition. I mean, that's recently come out. I mean, no, no, Catacombs is a much love IP, but continually, you know, Aaron is always knocking in six figure Kickstarters, you know, time and time again. I mean, the latest one wasn't any, you know, wasn't any different. They still did about $200,000. Um, but then you get new exciting ones coming out, but I don't know if it's the name that's behind it because you've got, say, like, um, Alley Cat Games did Welcome to Dino World, the dinosaur roll and write. Yep. Um, and it did, you know, it did, like, almost 10 times its funding level. But then Alley Cat Games themselves, they've been, they're kind of like your situation, they've been doing Kickstarter after Kickstarter after Kickstarter, yep. and they've slowly been kind of growing going as a company yeah, i don't know the dice hospital and got a bunch yeah. of money for that so yeah, they, they built up yeah. a, a massive following too exactly so they've done but i still can't look at a campaign now and say that's definitely going to be that's the one that's definitely going to fund i'm continually still surprised by you know um campaigns that are doing really 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 well and campaigns that are kind of like they just seem to be scraping by you know, they just don't seem to be getting any kind of traction, even though they've think, got, you know, a reasonable amount of backers. Yeah, and I think a, a large part of it is just marketing, right? It's that the the bigger, which, you know, you, even the big companies that are making a few million on Kickstarter, they're, they're by no stretch of the imagination really, really big companies or anything. They're still mid-sized game companies. But even the mid-sized game companies, they... And until they build their their following, they they don't have big kickstarters. Uh, there's a lot of gaming companies that you see in their first few kickstarters, they didn't make too much money, and then once they built up a base, they're just able to to roll those over into every consecutive project. But you'll see mm-hmm. other Kickstarter creators. I've I've looked at it, and it's always interesting to me to look at creators, and I'll, I'll look at some that they'll have one Kickstarter that just blows up, and then their next Kickstarter has like. 300 backers and the next one has like 100 backers and so it just kind of one has a thousand backers and one has 100 what what's the difference and it just seems like they didn't do good for marketing on any of them and it just happened that one of the games just appealed to people more and so there's definitely that but there's a lot of 
the creators that you'll see in each back project they get there's more backers and that's something that I've personally tried to go with every time is I just want to know that people are liking our games enough to continue backing them so I I always check how many backers it seems like are coming from our previous projects and making sure that the customers we bring on like our stuff obviously is important and so if I can keep getting more and more backers each campaign that's how you grow the company but mm -hmm. Like I said, you'll see some companies that it kind of goes and they do one that just blows up or blew up years ago and then, you know, their next campaigns just kind of struggle along. And I think a, a big part of it is just figuring out how to develop the audience and then make sure that they feel respected and valued as customers and continue to enjoy your products enough to buy them. I, yeah. I think that's the biggest thing I try to teach with the consulting is just how to market it and how to get people to to like their brand and, and buy their games yeah and as we say again and i mean as i come across again as i say not i say but as i see again and again and again on the shows um people aren't good at marketing no there's nobody i know that is there's nobody i know that is good at marketing um Unless it's kind of like you've had some almost direct exposure to how you actually do marketing on a day-to-day -day basis, if you've had to build it, um, because I still get, and you know I still get kind of people contacting me and asking to come on the show, and it's like, well, when is your? I'm trying to help build up some noise for a Kickstarter. When's your Kickstarter? It's got you know twenty days to go, and I'm just like. I don't know what to say now. I mean, we're we're in. I'm in the unfortunate situation where uh, we're we're booked up in terms of just number of shows that we can do. Um, because I've take, made a conscious effort to say, right, okay, I am not probably. I'm going to still do a few shows, but I need to. I can't do as many as I've been doing because there's only so many that you can do before you get to yeah. the point where it's like, well, I need to kind of slow down because otherwise I'm just going to turn around one day and say, right, that's it. I've you know, I found yeah, you don't want to burn yourself out. I know, and I it's kind of like saying to people, "Well, listen, you need to be contacting me kind of like six weeks in advance or eight weeks in advance." You get people, you know, somebody coming to me and saying, "Right, my Kickstarter isn't until March next year." Ideal. Somebody that comes to me and says, "My Kickstarter is launching on the, you know, is launching on the fifth of December." It's like, Ugh, I I'll try and do something for you. I can't guarantee it, and then it's kind of like it puts pressure on you know kind of everything else and I think uh, there's still a lot to do and I one of the things that was interesting about um, Kickstarter itself was I think when people are kind of creating the projects um, they, they, they try to give you kind of information on have you doing some kind of marketing and stuff like that I still think there's a great need for services for Kickstarter marketing I just think it's maybe a marketing budget isn't something that's allocated to you don't think about the marketing budget when you're allocating your spend spend to having your project created, because let's face it, you know, you can spend five hundred dollars on um, you can spend five hundred dollars on marketing, or in turn, you can spend five hundred dollars on making sure that all your cards start off kind of being upgraded from the very beginning to a bigger thickness. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's that kind of there's that kind of thing kind of thing as well. Um, yeah, and the the budget the budgeting's tough. It's hard to say. All right, well, I need the best possible artwork quality with a really low budget, so that I still have money to market this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, I mean, if you, with you bringing, because um, you've got some games coming out. I mean, you've got. I mean, you've got kind of ruins of Mars, which is what you're doing yourself. You've also yeah. got um, you've got or the mining game, which you're doing with uh, quick, simple, fun games, and then you've got um, <clears throat> and you're also kind of one of them. Another ones is Cage Match, which you've got kind of like a it's more of a, like a, a kind of a connection with. Has that for those games? Um, I mean the like the or um, the Ruins of Mars, for instance. Mm -hmm. Has it led you to kind of approach how you're going to be even tackling this kind of going forward? I mean, are you, are you, you know, have you had to rethink your strategy? Because are you thinking, well, is being successful with Supernatural... Because Supernatural Socks was like double funded, mate. You know what I mean? It did, you know, it did well for the target. 
Um, but are you having to look at a different approach for how you're going to deal with to deal with the marketing for Ruins of Mars? Because I've seen you talking about Ruins of Mars for for some time now. I mean, I've seen you kind of tease artwork and stuff like that um, for Ruins of Mars since, what, last, maybe a year ago? If not longer? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so has your, so... your approach been different then? Yeah, so like like you talked about with kind of me branching out into a lot of other things, a, a big part of why I've done a lot of the things I've done is my marketing budget for all of our games has always been small. I don't make a ton of money at my day job. I'm starting to progressively make more and more, and that's allowing me to put more money into marketing, and so Ruins of Mars will have a decent marketing budget. But I... By no stretch of the imagination do I just have thousands and thousands of dollars to just throw out marketing for a game. And so the games, in theory, could make even more money if I had the money for marketing. And I, I have a degree in marketing. I understand the concepts. It's just that without the, the ad spend, you can't do it. And so a lot of what I've been doing is making myself known in the community through a bunch of different ways so that when I go to market the thing, it's not just the first time they've ever seen it. They've seen me or seen something I've worked on in some capacity or another, and then when they see the artwork for Ruins of Mars, they're like, oh, okay, well, I've already seen that game for the last year. You've been mm -hmm. showing images of it, or I've seen your articles in Casual Game Insider, or whatever it is. They know of me or know of the company or know of the game well before the Kickstarter ever launches. So that's the, the main thing that I've been kind of shooting for. And so... With that game, like like you talked about, I've been marketing and showing artwork preview stuff for about a year, which is way more than I did with Supernatural Socks. And a large part of Supernatural Socks is I, I didn't know. I, I had no idea if it was going to fund. I knew that it was really quirky and that mm -hmm. it could go one way or the other. And it luckily, fortunately for me, it went the way that I hoped and thought it might, that you know people really liked it and thought it was funny and unique and there were some people that just were like, why is this on Kickstarter? There was a big board game group uh, on Facebook that someone made a thread saying, like, why would this even be a thing? And then I got backers from it. People commenting on the thread ended up backing it. And so it, it ended up being a good thing. But, but that, it did have that some of that. It shouldn't, it shouldn't exist as a game. Or... Yeah, people were saying that they didn't think it, it should exist as a game, that the theme was just too weird and out there. And then other people were like, well, I like it. I think it's unique and original, and that should be a thing that we encourage. And so then I got some backers from it, and it turned out fine. And then the original poster of it, after getting kind of uh, I didn't post anything there that was negative, but some of the people that follow me and like me wrote some things like, why, why are you saying this? You know, the game's good, and the creator's cool, and all that kind of stuff, and made me feel good. So... It went from a thread that would have kind of upset me a little bit to actually being like, wow, the community is really great to come together and help me and be nice. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. I don't like this gatekeeping kind of thing. There's occasional, I see occasional bits of kind of like snobbery kind of popping up in the games community. It's like um, the reason that you, you know, the reason you have worker placement games, the reason that you have roll and move games, the reason that you have miniature games is because somebody said see rather than do it this way can we do it this way instead and I bet you at the time especially with like say um, um, roll and write <laughs> somebody would have said what you roll a dice and then you draw something down it's like but doesn't that mean you have to kind of like aren't you kind of like ruining a pad of paper having to do that it's like yeah this is fantastic isn't it and we can just <laughs> like you know provide them with pads I mean, for every for every single one that every single time that that happens, that somebody says is a ridiculous idea or isn't going to work, it kind of ends up taking things down a path which, you know, um, people haven't thought of before. It's just I don't, I really don't get it. I can see it's um, you see it in the. I mean, you and me play video games, but you'll see this as well. It's like you get something new into video games, and they'll be like, "Oh, I remember." Um, you know, oh, I've downloaded the kind of the the latest version of the the remastered version of Strider, and it's like, ah, but do you remember playing it on the the Sega Mega Drive kind of thing? You're just like, go, go and f go outside or something like that, because you know this kind of gatekeeping thing is the last thing that the hobby needs. We don't need people when somebody says they haven't played Carcassonne or Settlers of Catan, and the first game that they played was like, say, you know, Isle of Sky or 
mechs versus minions for somebody to go, oh well you're not obviously a proper gamer if you're not kind of playing it this way. It's just like we don't we don't need that nonsense in the hobby that we have in the video game hobby kind of thing. You know, everybody moves on. I don't think people people claim to kind of it's almost like they own the hobby and should be judged duly yeah. and execution or any kind of new ideas. And it's like, guess what? You're not sorry. You know, that's how new that's how new ideas happen. Sorry, yeah, exactly. You know. You know, you can still play your little game over there, but just, you know, play it over, play it kind of over there. Um, tell us a little bit about Rune of Mars then. So Runes of Mars has changed a lot since we started working on it. So uh, we we actually are working with a developer now that's doing some development work and final gameplay tweaks before we put it on Kickstarter. So we were hoping to Kickstarter in January. It might be pushed back to February or March just you know, where we rather go to Kickstarter completely 100% prepared and with a game that we are fully confident in than, you know, put it up and kind of hope that it funds and then work on the stuff at, at the tail end of the Kickstarter. Yeah. So that yeah. that's something I've done in the past, honestly. I've worked on games after the Kickstarter and it really delays projects. And so I want it buttoned down and completely 100% before we ever go to Kickstarter and kind of limit some of those delays. And so... The, the game itself is kind of Mancala-esque, so there's a few sort of worker placement area-like spots, and you put your character on that spot, and you collect all the actions associated with it. And then each of those actions are then put on other spaces on the board, so the resources you get every turn are different based on how the board fluctuates, so the, the, the resources move, and like I said, like a Mancala-esque thing. So it, it's a rondelle, a kind of static rondelle with the Mancala-esque resources. And the resources can be used a few different ways as well, which is interesting. All right, okay, okay, okay. Did, I mean, was that something that was there from the beginning, or was it something that you kind of, you said the game changed quite a bit. So yeah, that, so it, Was that one of the fundamental things that was changed then? So the... the the process of the game originally, what I kind of fell in love with, was it was a card-based Mancala. So there were ten cards that were all communal, and you picked up a stack of cards, and you did all the actions on the set cards. So each card had an action on them, and you mm -hmm. placed them down on any site on the board. And the sites didn't really do anything except you, you had to place them in clockwise order, and then you would get the things on the card. Well, mm -hmm. it just seemed like there were some turns someone would pick up a big stack of cards and it took them a while to figure out where to place certain things. They were able to get some bonuses depending on the site they got and then mm -hmm. we added all kinds of abilities for the sites and then that kind of made it even more difficult. And so then we kind of switched from doing that to having it where it was instead of being you know, a, a central board that was this rondelle we put it all on spaces and instead of the resources being on cards we separated them from the space and each space does one action and one action only so instead of doing five actions on your turn you're only doing one but you're getting all these resources so it still feels like a cool turn without mm -hmm. having and there's still a lot of choice without having all these options because so many options just people with AP just took really really long on their turns and we wanted to eliminate <laughs> some of that yeah yeah, I've seen the people. I've seen the analysis paralysis kind of kick in with a, with a few people. It is a kind of a a joke that I had with um with Colin. Uh, yeah, it, especially when it you're playing like a game like in was it um, Endeavor or something like that, and it was like, well, what what can I do? And it's like, well, you've got seventeen different things you can do here, and he goes, I know. And then you know, it's just like, leave me alone. That, and then that's that just got played. Bri Brian Fiore from Just Got Played. It's like the running joke is when he's not around, we're like, who's going to have AP this game instead of Brian? <laughs> <laughs> and, and when he's around, the, the we film at the Cloak and Blaster, which is a gaming pub in Orlando. And when the waitress will come around, she'll ask sometimes, like, whose turn is it? And we'll just always say Brian, no matter whose turn it really is. <laughs> So he's become like a joke himself. Yeah, he must be. He must be so delighted about that. He must be. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure he loves thrilled, it. Absolutely thrilled. Is this not like a bigger game for you then? I mean, you know, the previous games that you've done. You're right. I mean, they have been quite kind of quirky 
esque and yeah. things like that. So is this you getting? Is this you putting your big boy pants on? It's essentially, yeah. It's it's uh, <laughs> the the bigger and you know higher MSRP, and it, so it's it's a lot different than a lot of our other offerings. And really, mm -hmm. for a company that's kind of really focused on themes, the the Mars theme is not like a super novel or unique one. The gameplay is really cool and interesting, and I signed the game for that reason. And so the the theming is less important than some of our other games, and I'm trying to integrate more storytelling stuff so that it does have some story and there is some flavor to it, but it's definitely a lot more dry than a game about Lost Socks, for example, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah. Are you kind, so of, it, it was are a you kind of worried about that then? I mean, I mean, obviously you said that one of the things we're kind of, you've looked at is engaging with a previous audience that have kind of backed Aetheris games in the past are they going to be looking at this project and maybe not backing it because it's not you know um you know it's not about socks or it's not about you know um it's not about kind of neighbors or you know are you, is that a concern for you that yeah, the so type it, of audience you try to reach is different yeah it, it's definitely a different audience and i i think there is some overlap obviously there's a lot of gamers who play light you know 15 to 30 minute filler games and then also play heavier games and I think a lot of our customers fall into that and I've I've talked to some of them and seen this that they'll they'll play you know crunchier games and then you know when when they're playing with their friends and family play these silly quirky games that I design and so I do think there will be some overlap I think there are some people that will look at it and just immediately be like nope I like their other <laughs> stuff because it's it's quirky but this is not for me and so I, I am a little nervous about that, but I, that's part of why I've been kind of building up an audience in the Facebook groups and different yeah. other areas so that I'm bringing more audience to this specific game and bigger games like it. And so what I'm trying to do really is I, I'm not shifting completely and saying, all right, there's no, no more quirky games for us or anything like that. But I, I do think that they do have some challenges on Kickstarter. There is some challenge going in with these lighter games. I think a lot of heavier games do better on Kickstarter. And so I'd, I don't want to just completely do the light games and I don't want to just completely do heavy games. So the goal is really to do one bigger game a year and then three or four smaller games. And some of those would be on Kickstarter, some of them wouldn't. But the idea is that the bigger game is pretty much always going to be on Kickstarter because we'll need the resources for it. But some of the smaller games might be small enough that I can afford to manufacture myself without going to Kickstarter. All right, okay, okay. What about um, or the mining game? I mean, what's what's that about? I mean, is it just a clever name, or is it actually about mining? It it is actually about mining. So the interesting thing about or is I I've spoke with the designers a little bit and. And I, I had played the game a while ago. So so one of the interesting things is Quick Simple Fun has never done a Kickstarter before. They've had several successful games that have went on and they do distribution and just have never went the Kickstarter route. And so they were talking about going to Kickstarter and I kind of mentioned to them, well, maybe we could co-publish it and I'll help you run the Kickstarter since I've done it before. So we kind of started those talks and Or was just a natural fit. It's a bigger game for their portfolio, obviously being quick, simple, fun games. Most of the games they do are kind of more up my alley of, you know, quicker, lighter games. And they, they signed this game or a few years ago, and it's it's a two-hour Euro worker placement game. And so essentially the idea of it is that you have these mines. There's several different worker placement spots, but if you place your workers in the mines, they collect resources every turn. The thing is, mm -hmm. when they're in the mines... They keep going further down the mine until they can't go down for any further, unless you pay to, to get them back. So you can have workers that are stuck several turns within the mines, and you need them to be there in order to collect the resources needed to mm -hmm. complete contracts, mm -hmm. and you're using mm -hmm. the contracts and building buildings to earn money in the game. So that they use that mechanism of one worker placement spot, then being able to kind of keep working for you every turn, in an interesting way, which is what I really liked about the game and why I'm excited to work on it with Quick Simple Fun. Was it um, was it an interesting conversation to try and persuade them to go down the Kickstarter route when they previously kind of just 
published before? Not really. So uh, Patrick from Quick Simple Fun Games and I are friends, and he's in Tampa, Florida. I'm in Orlando, so it's he's only about two hours away. And so mm-hmm. we've played a lot of games together before and have worked together in, in kind of other avenues. And so when I talked to him about Kickstarter, originally I was going to kind of work with the company and was going to get hired on as kind of a part-time employee. And then I thought about it and it was like, well, if we just work on it together and both of our companies make money and work together on it, I think that would be a, a cool idea. And he had always kind of wanted to work on Aura as a Kickstarter project just because there are a lot more manufacturing resources necessary. It is a bigger game for what they normally do. And so he, mm-hmm. he wanted to, to try Kickstarter for sure. Okay, okay, okay. What about Cage Match then? Because that's... You, you know that has come from kind of like a different that came with working with the creators on actually providing them with with advice is that right yeah um, so cage match is uh an interesting game it's a game about mma fighting and so the creator came to me when i just started doing kickstarter consulting and he became my first actual like paid kickstarter consulting client and so we've been working together on the campaign and we're we're kind of working through now whether he wants to go to Kickstarter or not because he originally was really gung-ho on going to Kickstarter, but now he's thinking he might try to appeal more to mass market and he doesn't know if having a Kickstarter campaign will hinder that, so we're kind of working through and figuring out what retailers want and whether it's better to hold off on the Kickstarter for a little while or to, to work on it and have it mm-hmm. in early uh, 2019. All right, okay, okay. Okay, so um, when do you actually get a chance to kind of like sit down for five minutes and kind of twiddle your thumbs or do you just not bother with that anymore because it sounds like you've got like a, like a heck of a lot on. Yeah, it's quite honest. a bit. I, I was telling my girlfriend the other day, I was like, I, I don't understand how, when I look at the stuff how I have a full-time job. Like I think about it and I'm like, how do I do all this stuff? Um, but, but a lot of it, it, it doesn't really require all that much time. A lot of it, like a therapist, obviously there, there's a big time commitment there, but a lot of the podcasting is an hour here, an hour there kind of, so that there's not as much time devoted to it. And everything I do kind of outside of that, like a lot of my hobbies outside of board gaming don't take a lot of time either. Like I, I'm a volunteer coordinator for a local uh, nonprofit and that's only like four to eight hours a month, so it, it mm-hmm. doesn't consume a lot of time. And then I yeah. play Battlefield every once in a while, and if I'm not doing that, my girlfriend and I are just watching Netflix. So, but I normally can work while doing that. So, yeah, I suppose, I suppose that's the thing though as well, because I do get kind of, I kind of get sometimes asked the same question as like, how do you manage to put out kind of like the content that you do? And it's like, well, I kind of don't just watch tv for the sake of kind of watching tv it's i'm I'm very very kind of picky and choosy in what i do and sometimes yes it is just a case of i have to sacrifice time sacrifice lunch times evenings mornings sometimes to make sure that kind of things go out kind of on time you know especially if it's somebody that says look my kickstarter's out just now and i kind of need to help kind of spread the word i mean you're not going to say well sorry you're going to have to wait until next week yeah. Until we kind of do until we kind of do anything, um. Are you? I mean, are you approaching the point where you're considering saying, "Well, listen, if I if I keep doing this and say like two three years, then I don't have to worry about the kind of the job. I can just kind of continue to do you know continue to do this kind of on a full time basis." Or that that's the plan. So right now, I've been trying to pay down all my debt and start saving money and I'm going to try to buy an investment property at some point within the next few years. And then once I kind of get some supplemental income outside of a therapist, I I hope that a therapist is able to pay me enough that I can do that and use the rental income to sustain me and then I won't need the full-time job. That's that's the hope within the next three to five years. That's the dream. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the dream. dream. But I mean, you've I mean, you've got, you know, you've got mutant crops behind you. You know, um, 
as I say, you've got supernatural socks behind you as well. Um, it's not a case that you haven't kind of already got three projects kind of funded and out there. So, I mean, you've, you're, as far as people would say, you have, you know, you've been successful with, you know, since the beginnings with like Cul-de-Sac Conquest. Um, so people obviously like the stuff that you're putting out kind of there just now. Um, do you see yourself, because, as you say, you've, you obviously see yourself becoming kind of a, providing a more kind of holistic kind of coverage. Would you walk away from the board game creation side of things altogether? Or was that be would that be kind of like, oh, I'd be uncomfortable? I I don't think so. If uh-huh. if it was a thing where I wasn't making money and I had to keep putting money into the company, I'm sure at some point I would have to cut my losses there. But mm-hmm. for the for the most part, even even if for whatever reason the company went under or anything like that, I don't think I'd ever just not be into board games. So I think I would still you know, create my own games, whether I would self-publish them or not, you know, obviously it would depend, but mm-hmm. right now I, I don't see any signs of slowing down really. So that I've been signing more games recently than ever before. And I'm working on, it seems like 8 million in one projects. And I'm really hopeful <laughs> that ruins of Mars will do really, really well and kind of show that I can do different games than what I've done before. And, I think that will kind of help me get more in embedded in the Kickstarter consulting, and I think that's another way, like I said, to to get more income so that I don't need the full-time job. The idea is to really create these other avenues so it's not just one thing of, oh, I'm publishing games and that's the only way to make money. I'm going to have these <laughs> books and a bunch of other ways where several different kind of ways to, to make a little bit of income so that I can just work on this. So where do people find you if they want to find you on the internet webs? So all of our social media is under Atheris Games and me personally, I'm, I'm under Atheris Andrew on pretty much everything except Facebook. I'm Andrew Russell Burkett. There you go. And what we'll do is we'll make sure we put all of the links in the show notes so that we've got notes to show. Um, thank you very much for coming on. It's always a thank pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to, to, to have you on the show. It's, it's nice and talking you, to you. You need to come back on. Um, well, I'll need to. I'll need to. I'll need to have a squiz over this uh, Runes of Mars because it kind of intrigues me. There's about to be one kind of Mars game that's going to actually work for me, and I'm. Hoping it's kind of like I'm I think it'll like be this it. One. I'm hoping I think it'll be it. One. I I'm, it's I'm very proud. I'm very proud of where it's going, and I think the developers doing a really good job of refining it. So, super. Now, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, um, then there's a couple of ways you can do it. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. You can find us on places like Instagram. If you search for We're Not Wizards, you can find us on. Uh, our websites, which is we'renotwizards.com and we'renotwizards.blogspot.com. Um, you can find uh, us on various podcast catchers like Acast and Spreaker and Stitcher and Podbean and uh, Podknife and all these lovely, lovely cast boxes. One, Spreaker's another one, but they're, well, I'm not speaking to them at the moment for reasons I'm not going to go into. Um, and <laughs> that's terrible, isn't it? calling a company that doesn't have the light to defend itself but you know what you did you know what you did um and uh, if you like what you've listened to tonight then do you know what just tell somebody else and uh, um ask them to come along and join the fun you know or the intelligent conversation or the one-sided intelligent conversation coming from Andrew but not necessarily from me if you like even more what you've heard please consider going on to Apple Podcasts and dropping us a rating or a review but definitely drop us a subscription if you are going to give us a rating or review don't give us 10 stars because it makes us ridiculously big headed but don't give us one star because it'll make me cry it's my birthday next week and if you make me cry on my birthday I'll not be happy give us like 5 stars because it's in the middle and it's average and we're just a little bit average. But the gentleman who's not being average is the, the wonderful 
rather fantastic Mr. Andrew Burkett. Thank you very much for coming on, sir. Um, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. There's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Andrew? I'm not a wizard. Yay! Can't speak for anyone else. (laughs) That's good. And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Andrew. Say goodbye, Andrew. Bye. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe. Rollsixes.com. And, uh, yeah, keep an eye out. You know, you sometimes don't need something bright and shiny in your life. Sometimes you need something red and ruined, like a game called Ruined Mars. That's the best I can do in such short notice. Um, But until the next time, goodbye. A wizard is never late. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to.